Good evening, ACB. All right. Wow. Here we are. Can we we believe it? It's hard to believe that here we are, Friday, January 10th, at at our closing banquet. It just doesn't feel like that's possible. I am so excited about this week. You know, it's it, the emotions of, of this evening from being happy to being sad, from being exhausted to being exhilarated. I don't know about you all, but I have had just the most amazing experience this week. And I welcome everybody to the 59th Annual ACB Conference and Convention Banquet. ACB, A Path to the Future. We did it, gang. We did it. We were able to pull off what other people didn't think we could do. Woo! I am stoked. I want to thank everybody. Uh, I want to just take us back through the week from starting with an excellent board meeting on Friday, going into an interesting movie of the Best Academy Award-nominated picture, Parasite to a just absolutely fantastic Friends in Art Showcase. Wasn't, didn't that just knock your socks off? It was just very, very professional and well done. Kudos to the FIA affiliate. And then on Saturday, we got into our breakout sessions, and then we enjoyed a wonderful uh, experience of Pick of the Litter with our own Claire Stanley and Disney Plus and a wonderful interview. And then fireworks from the Washington Mall on Saturday night, Sunday with many more countless breakout sessions, and then our opening session on Sunday night. We, we were a little late getting started, but we bounced back and we had just a, a wonderful welcome. And the roll call was just, I brought a smile to my face to hear all the different affiliates and the different voices and experiences from all around the country. And then we went into our week of Monday through Friday with just outstanding general sessions uh, headed by our officer of the day each day. You know, we heard from so many different people, from Karen Kinniger and from uh, Martine Abel Williamson from New Zealand, Auckland, New Zealand. She was clear as a bell. It was just amazing. And the primetime shows from the Uh, audio description industry panel on Monday night, which was absolutely fabulous. The the auction with all of its excitement and enthusiasm on Tuesday. Uh, Oh, we got a little thunder coming in in virtually from my house here. Uh, Wednesday with uh, Smart Homes uh, presentation, which was uh, done by the Information Access Committee that was so informative. And then the advocacy boot camp uh, last night with Clark and Claire and with the, the wonderful stories and voices from Jim and Rebecca and Sheila and Brooke. And now here we are tonight at our banquet. And I, I'm just proud. I am so proud of the work of this organization. Thank you, ACB staff and both the Alexandria and the Uh, Minneapolis offices for your just outstanding leadership and work and dedication all week long. I'd now like to take a a moment of special privilege and thank our beautiful sound booth. So if you think of this beautiful ballroom this evening, there's 1,200 of us here tonight for this closing banquet. 
150 tables with eight people sitting at each table, gabbing and joking and telling stories and trying to cut into that rubber chicken, (laughs) which we all love so much. But not this year. This year, we're getting to enjoy the beautiful meal of our choice. But there we are in this beautiful ballroom. The lights are, are, are glowing. Your head table awaits you. And in the back corner of the room is this amazing group of individuals that are our sound broadcast team. And I can't say enough about them. I want to start with Rick Morin, who has been in Control Central for us all week doing the general sessions and the primetime shows. We got to see a little of his control room video uh, today during general session. Thank you, Rick. Thank you for all you've done to make this possible with the American Council of Blind at this wonderful convention this week. Next, I'd like to thank Deb Cook-Lewis and her facilitators. How amazing a job to put together 108 breakout sessions with probably over 400 panelists over eight days. And they did all just the facilitators did such just an outstanding job with their continuing education credit codes, uh, their wonderful uh, manners and delicacy and delicate behavior and dealing with all of us as we walk through all the breakout sessions all week long, which were just fabulous. Special shout out to our special interest affiliates, our committees, and our members for just putting together amazing content. And then next, I have to recognize JoLynn Bailey Page, who was always in the background. She's not only our grant writer, she was in the green room every day making sure we looked presentable before we went on the air coordinating all of our guest presenters. Thank you, JoLynn. You were a rock. And now we've got to remember our ACB radio team and what they did for us this week. Under ACB radio managing director, Debbie Hazelton, who just coordinated an amazing group of broadcasters all week that brought us five concurrent ACB channels covering breakout sessions, an audio described tour channel, and the exhibit hall channel. Thank you, Debbie, for all your hard work. To Jason Castingway, our technical director of ACB Radio, and all of his outstanding work, keeping everything running and going smoothly. Thank you, Jason. And what an outstanding rendition of the Star Spangled Banner. It brought a tear to my eye. And Jeff Bishop, our ACB Radio Steering Committee Managing Director, and all of his hard work, pulling everything together. Johnny on the spot, preparing 16 hours of audio-described tours, which were absolutely fantastic. And a special shout-out to Stacia Boyd with Q Media and Joel Snyder with Audio Description Associates for all their hard work in providing those tours. And also a special... Shout out to Michael and Allison Smitherman and all the work they did putting together our exhibit halls. They were, they were sensational. They were uh, it, 35 vendors. We sold out of our exhibit halls. Thank you so much, Michael and Allison, and, and we, we appreciate you being here with us this evening. And now I'd like to introduce our head table. The nice thing about having a virtual uh, convention is that head table can have 
a little bit of length to it. You know, it can, it can span from one side of the ballroom to the other. So first, I would like to recognize our key officers inside the American Council of the Blind and their spouses and thank them for all their hard work as presenters this week. So first, I'd like to introduce to you Kim and Brian Charlson from Watertown, Massachusetts. Thank you, Brian and Kim, for all of your hard work this week. Next, I would like to introduce Ray and Karen Campbell from Glen Allen, Illinois. Welcome, Karen. Welcome, Ray. Thanks for all your hard work this week. Next, we have David and Rhonda Trott from Talladega, Alabama. You know David and Rhonda. They're all over the place. And Rhonda, we can't wait to get those tours in person again next year. But it was great to have those audio described tours that took their place this year. Welcome to the banquet. Next, we have our first vice president, Mark Reichert from Arlington, Virginia, and our ACB secretary, Denise Colley from Lacey, Washington. Thank you for being at the head table and thank you for all that you do. Then we have Michael and Allison Smitherman, our exhibit hall uh, leaders. Thank you for pulling just a wonderful exhibit hall together for us. And then we have several key presenters that are with us this evening. We have Anthony Ackerman, who will be doing our invocation. We have uh, Debbie Rogier, who will be doing our ACB Awards presentation. We have Zelda, Zelda Gephardt, who will be doing our Board of Publications presentations. And we have Nancy Marks Becker, who will be helping doing the actual raffle drawing from uh, a secret location. So it's kind of like Vanna White hidden away with that winning ticket number. We'll hear from her at the end of the evening. And last but not least, I have to recognize uh, Janet Dickelman, our convention coordinator and convention chair from Minneapolis, Minnesota. What an outstanding job Janet did with her committee, as always, to pull this convention together. And then, of course, our banquet speaker that we'll hear from later on this evening, Roy Samuelson from Los Angeles, California. So this is our head table. We welcome all you all to the, to the banquet. I hope you're enjoying your meal. And I look forward to an exciting evening. It's just, it's just, oh, it's wonderful. As Cindy Van Wig, Cindy Hollis would say, big hugs, big, huge hugs out there for everybody for pulling this all together. And just to let you all know, after the banquet this evening, we will be having a wrap-up show immediately following with Debbie Hazelton and Tony Stevens. And then after the wrap-up show, on ACB Radio Mainstream, we will be having a community call. Final breakout, wrap up, highlights of the convention. We want everybody to get on, bring their favorite adult beverage, and let's just chat till midnight about all the wonderful experiences we had this week at our, at our 59th annual convention. So with that said, I am now going to turn it over to Anthony Ackerman from... Akamini, it's easy for me to say, Anthony Akamini, from Honolulu, Hawaii, a very good friend to do our invocation. Thank you, Anthony. Aloha, ACB. Aloha. May, <laughs> may the spirit and love of Hawaii greet you with love and thanksgiving. With that, 
May I ask if we can take a moment of silence just to reflect on the goodness of this day in your life. And you can um, give thanks in whatever language that you have or whatever way your culture may lead you. And if you have a friend or a family member that may have passed away, you can shed a tear. That's totally okay. So if we can take a just a moment of silence. Epuli Kako, let us pray. We give thanks for this day the day that you've given us. We give thanks for connecting us through our nation, through globally. We give thanks for connecting us across generations. And we give thanks for connecting us through many different cultures. We give thanks for the love and laughter that we've had throughout this week. May it just fill us and impart along our journeys. May we continuously build friendships and may we continually be filled with love. We give thanks for ACB, the leadership, and we give thanks for this banquet. May it be a feast of thanksgiving with love. Amen. Thank you. Amen, Anthony, and thank you very much for those inspirational words. I want to introduce one wonderful member of the head table, and that is my lovely wife, Leslie Spoon. So Leslie is also joining me here this evening, and I I just uh, didn't want to forget Leslie because she is the light of my life. And so Uh, What an outstanding auction she had this week, and she's always been by my my side and helping me through any challenges that come our way. So thank you, Leslie. I love you, and what a great job at the convention this week. And now I'd like to introduce Janet Dickelman for two door prizes. All right, and this is not the last of the door prizes, so don't fear We have a $20 Starbucks gift certificate that was donated by Washington Council of the Blind, and that is going to Tristan Ratliff of Oklahoma City. And we have a 1921 Morgan Silver, from 1921 Morgan Silver Dollars. This is um, the DKM commemorative silver dollar, and this is donated by Bay State Council of the Blind, and that is going to Parker... Oh, thank you. And Parker, you are lucky. I wanted to get one of those. Congratulations. Next, it's time to hear about our wonderful ACB Awards. And I'd like to introduce to you our ACB Awards uh, Committee Co-Chair, Debbie Rogier from Allentown, Pennsylvania, that will present our special ACB Awards tonight. Thank you, Debbie. Hi, everybody. I am going to start with the George George Card Award. Uh, The George Card Award is given to an individual who has dedicated his or her life to work 
with and for people who are blind and, and visually impaired, making a real difference and improving quality of life for providing leadership and being a positive role model. Um, this evening, the George Card Award is going to be presented posthumously to Camille Caffarelli. Camille was the founder and the executive director of the Horizons for the Blind for the past 44 years. And she was producing educational and cultural materials in large print and in Braille. In 1977, Camille started her business um, out of her basement in her home while she was raising three young children and she was totally blind from birth. She had, they do produce tens of thousands of pages of Braille annually now with a staff of over 50 employees, 60% of whom are blind or visually impaired. Um, the staff has also created a catalog of over 400 low-cost accessible books and craft kits. They also produce utility bills and bank statements, to name a few. Um, and at this time, I would like to ask uh, Jennifer Dunn to um, say a few words on behalf of the award for Camille Caffarelli. Absolutely. Um, I'm Jessica Dunn, and I work with Camille for over 15 years at Horizons for the Blind in Crystal Lake. I'm honored to accept this award on behalf of Camille, who passed away after a long, courageous battle with cancer. Horizons had a very humble beginning and was born out of personal tragedy for Camille. Her husband died of a brain tumor in 1975 and left her with three boys to raise, who are all very young. Faced with these challenges, she set upon a life's mission of making the printed word more accessible to people who are blind or visually impaired. Starting out with two volunteers working out of the basement in Chicago, Horizons was established as a nonprofit organization in 1977. Camille realized even as a child that experiencing life and interacting with the world would, be, would not be limited to those who viewed things in the traditional way. Camille believed that it was a, a fundamental right to have, ex, have access to the printed word. People who are blind or visually impaired should have the same rights to getting their information without assistance as a sighted customer. This not only speaks to the issue of accessibility, but also privacy and independence. Camille took great pride in not only providing materials in an accessible format, but also that Horizons could apply, provide employment for blind and low vision employees who are instrumental in the production process. On a personal note, I came to Horizons 15 years ago, not knowing a single thing about Braille. And Camille made it my mission to learn the, uh, the Braille alphabet. She often teased most of her sighted employees that if you couldn't read Braille, could you really even read? Uh, I have many great stories and memories being able to work with Camille. But above all, the thing I treasure most is being able to call her a friend and an amazing teacher. Thanks again for recognizing the amazing accomplishments Camille achieved in her life.
She will be missed dearly for her leadership, her humor, and her resolute will. And we are working hard to make sure her legacy lives on. Thank you so much, Jessica. Now we're going to go on to the Margin G. Beeman Volunteer Recognition Award. The Margin G. Beeman Volunteer and Recognition Award honors individuals who have given tirelessly of their efforts, resources, expertise, or time towards improving the quality of life in the blindness community. The achievements, accomplishments, or service on which the nominations are based must reflect ACB's vision and mission. This award may be given to a deserving individual or organization. Um, Before I go on with this award, I I think this year with um, having it virtual, we need to acknowledge all the volunteers that go into this, not only the ones that have been mentioned, but those who are behind the scenes. So for the Marvin G. Beeman Volunteer Recognition Award, this is somebody actually who I had met my very first convention. I was invited out to dinner with all of what I called the upper people, everybody who is in the organization, who is doing something, whose names are in the newsletters every time the newsletter comes out. Volunteering is one way to give back to ACB. And there are many people who go above and beyond to help in ACB more to put ACB forward. I can't say any more without anybody knowing the person's name. So here we go. This award is going out to the coordinator of the exhibit hall. Michael Smitherman, Janet got you here for a reason. (laughs) Michael has been doing the exhibit hall since 2001. We all enjoy the convention each year. And if it wouldn't be for uh, Michael and Allison and mostly Michael getting everything prepared, you know, we see the convention as now and then we come next year again. But Michael actually is going to start in September. And he is going to be contacting the local decorators and the schedulers to make appointments so that when they go in the fall to their meeting to get ready for next year's convention, he's looking at where the exhibit hall is going to be, deciding how to decorate it. He's going to be figuring out how to set it up, uh, making negotiations and getting the contract signed preparing for everything. Once the convention starts, he has to be there early to get all the stuff that's going to be shipped into the hotel. He's going to be making sure that that stuff gets to the different vendors that they need to get to. When the convention, the exhibit hall opens up, he's there first thing in the morning and stays till the end to close down. He's making sure that all the lost and found is gotten back to the people that it belongs to in the exhibit hall. 
when we close down, he has to make sure that everything is cleaned out and it gets to the people that it belongs to. So at this time, oh, and one other thing, also the highlight is when Michael and Allison sing their farewell song. Anyway, Michael, if you'd like to say a few words. I'm usually not at a loss. Uh, you're going <laughs> to have to because uh, we talked uh, a whole bunch from about the 1st of September, just about every day for the for the next, uh, t- t- till the next convention. But I'm blown away because she told me to talk about exhibits. Uh, <laughs> and I'm thinking, why? Everybody's heard the exhibits this year. and But I would be remiss if I didn't mention that uh, we have to thank Debbie Hazleton and Jason and, um, oh, mercy, Bishop, Jeff Bishop, for the great job they did in, uh, uh, of putting the stuff on the server to play. And it, it made my job a lot easier. But um, I thank all of y'all. Everybody plays a part, and we're all a team. And um, I hope to see all of y'all in Phoenix next summer if we get to go. But we're going to go. At least we're going to leave this convention thinking we're going to be in Phoenix next July. Thank you, Janet. You're a sweetheart. I love you. I love all of y'all, but Janet's special. And, and thank the awards committee. Thank you so much, Michael. Now on to the affiliates awards. The affiliate with the largest percentage of growth is the Kansas Association for the Blind and Visually Impaired at 28.8% of an increase. The affiliate with um, the New members is the North Dakota Association of the Blind, and it is they had 37 new members this year. At this time, I would like to thank the awards committee for meeting and helping us get through this, writing up the awards, choosing the awards, getting the nominations and everything. Um, and We will be putting in the newsletter all the recipients this year. I thank you. And if anybody would like to join our awards committee, just let the main office know or Dan Spoon, or you can email myself. Thank you. At this time, I will turn it back over to whomever. Thank you, Debbie. What, What wonderful awards. Congratulations to Kansas and North Dakota and Michael and Allison. Congratulations to you all. What a job well done and very, very appreciate all your hard work as a member volunteer for the American Council of the Blind. Next, we're going to hear from Zelda Gephardt, an elected member of our Board of Publications from Egley, North Dakota, Edgley, North Dakota who will be presenting our BOP awards. Thank you, Zelda. Good evening, I'm Zelda Gemhard. As a member of the ACB Board of Publications, it is my honor to present the two BOP awards, which recognize writing excellence by individuals and affiliates. The third award, which recognizes positive media portrayals of people who are blind or visually impaired, was awarded earlier this week during general session. 
Congratulations to the recipients of the Vernon Henley Media Award, co-producers Don Hardy and Dana Nachman and their Disney team were selected and honored for their work on the docu-series, Pick of the Litter. Now, for tonight's presentation. To be considered for the 2020 Ned E. Freeman Excellence in Writing Award, an article must have been first published between April 2019 and March 2020. All articles published in the ACB Braille Forum and ACB eForum were automatically eligible for consideration. Individual articles published by any ACB affiliate in its official publication may also have been nominated by the affiliate's president or editor. This year, close to 100 articles were considered. The selection is based on excellence in writing, novelty of approach, and originality of the subject matter. The author of the winning article receives a plaque and a cash prize of $100. It is my pleasure to announce that this year's winner of the Ned E. Freeman Excellence in Writing Award is Mika White. She is being recognized for her article, Shrimp, Drinks, and the Bill, a Moment of Accessibility. It appeared in the March 2020 ACB Braille Forum. Congratulations, Mika. Thank you so much. I am so honored and I just want to thank the awards committee for recognizing, for recognizing me for an article that I wrote when I took my friend out for her birthday and um, was able to find out that Red Lobster had accessible tablets. And, you know, sometimes it's always, it can, it can sometimes be a challenge when you're going and you have to pay the bill. And this was an experience where I was just really able to pay my bill on my own, select the tip on my own, read the menu by myself from start to finish. It was a completely, um, completely accessible um, program that Red Lobster had installed. And so um, I was really grateful for that experience as I am very grateful for this, for this wonderful award. So thank you. The other award being presented tonight is the Hollis Liggett Braille Free Press Award. It is intended to promote best journalistic practices and excellence in writing in the publication of ACB's state and special interest affiliates. All periodicals of ACB affiliates distributed no less than semi-annually are eligible. Nominations must be submitted by the affiliate's newsletter editor or president. Criteria for selection include the number of contributing writers in a single issue, the variety of information presented in each issue, how well the publication portrays the affiliate, the quality of writing throughout the publication, and the overall layout and presentation of the publication. With pleasure, I announce this year's winner of the Hollis Liggett Braille Free Press Award the Washington Council of the Blind, for their publication, Newsline. Here to accept the award are co-editors Reginald George and Heather Mears. Congratulations. Thank you. We are honored to accept this award on behalf of Washington Council of the Blind and our Newsline. 
Uh, we especially would like to thank our committee who spends endless hours uh, working on getting a quarterly publication out consistently and also to our family and friends who support us through all those long hours. It is only successful because we do this as co-editors who have very different skill sets. Well, thanks very much to uh, ACB. We are so honored for Washington State to get this award again. And I just wanted to thank all of our writers and the people on our committee have worked really hard this year and support your affiliates, support ACB. We could not have done this uh, without everyone that helped us to make it happen. This is your newsline as much as it is ours. We've tried really hard to focus on education and awareness and blindness history because we feel like it's very important and we're not going to have a future unless we know where we've been and how our organization got uh, here. On behalf of the entire Board of Publications, I want to thank all of you who write informing, inspiring, and entertaining articles for the ACB Braille Forum, the ACB eForum, as well as your affiliate publications. Thank you for sharing your writing talents with all of us. Thank you, Zelda. And thank you, Washington State. What a clean sweep. Great job out there with the Washington Council of the Blind. I know Cindy Hollis is jumping up and down and doing big virtual hugs. So congratulations to Mika and congratulations to Newsline for the newspaper for all your wonderful writing and work. Thank you so, so much. Boy, next, I am just so excited to introduce to you our banquet speaker for this evening. Roy Samuelson from Los Angeles, California, comes to us as a truly experienced audio narrator, having done over 600 movie and television titles, as well as hundreds of voiceovers throughout his illustrious career. But more importantly, Roy is an ambassador for audio description throughout the United States and around the world. He is truly an ambassador for our blind and visually impaired community. It gives me such pleasure and it is such an honor this evening to introduce to you Roy Samuelson. Roy, welcome. Oh, thank you. And thanks to ACB for the honor of this invitation. Uh, for this banquet and the keynote speech, I promised Dr. Joel Snyder I wouldn't eat lasagna. Happy 30th anniversary to the ADA. Here we go. Blind people watch movies and TV shows. For decades, and especially this week, that's a statement that we can all agree with. Beyond that, one of the things entertainment does is unite us around a common experience. And right now, you're not consistently getting the full experience. You're being left out of some of those experiences. My name is Roy Samuelson. I'm a tall male wearing a black t-shirt under a wrinkled denim jacket. I smile a lot and get animated when I get passionate. First of all, thank you for inviting us audio description narrators into your TVs, your theaters, and your smartphones. As a narrator, I take your invitation seriously, and I want to make sure quality and excellence is what it's about for you. I like to feel like I'm a part of the story that's being told. And as such, I have a deep connection to my audience. And I like to think about me being a friend welcomed into your homes for a while. What does a narrator do? 
Here's an example of two different narration types. Uh, one narrator is reading from the same suspenseful scene in a high stakes film. See if you can spot any difference. The first one is a typical narrator. And the next one is, well, listen. I hope that I don't see you again. Glancing away, she shows Kate a badge. Me too. She smiles, then continues down the sidewalk. Shifting on her feet, Kate presses her lips together. She stares after the woman and turns away. Her image blurs as she walks in the other direction. Fade to black. I hope that I don't see you again. Glancing away, she shows Kate a badge. Me too. She smiles, then continues down the sidewalk. Shifting on her feet, Kate presses her lips together. She stares after the woman, then turns away. Her image blurs as she walks in the other direction. Fade to black. Thanks, Teresa. Did you notice any inconsistency? Was that last one of these speaking to you like they were patronizing? Condescending. Too cheery. I and many others care about audio description quality and excellence, and I love being part of bridging the gap between our audiences and the creators and distributors of content. As I know you love a story, here's one for you. A pre-pandemic story, what it's like as an audio description narrator. Every narrator has a different experience. For me, my usual day goes a little like this. I'm invited to come into a studio to record another episode of, say, a TV show I narrate. The audio description writing's already done, and I can't wait to see it. I'm buzzed into an office. I pass the receptionist, making a silly joke about the office temperature. He's cuddled in a Hogwarts blanket. He smiles at me and picks up a ringing phone. Then I walk down a hall and knock on an engineer's door, quickly waving at her as she taps on a computer, scrolling a trackpad, adjusting waveforms on a sound program. She's the engineer. And there's also an audio description director, busy scribbling notes. They nod back to me and keep rolling with their project. Them knowing I'm here early it feels really good. I walk down another hall filled with cubicles of typists with headphones. Click, clack, click. I say hi to the scheduler, who leans back in a chair, smiling, taking a 10-second break to ask how I'm doing. I banter with some audio description writers. They like to talk about cats, or weekend plans, or both. She says, yeah, it's not my cat, but I still named it. I'm going to miss her while I'm in Big Bear, but my canary won't. Luckily, I like weekend plans, and I kind of like cats. Then one of my favorite parts, I walk to a break room that has a table filled with leftover treats or requests for donations for important causes. I fill up my travel coffee mug with black coffee. I'll get to the snacks later. It's a vending machine and I brought quarters, but in separate pockets so they don't jingle together and make noise while I'm being recorded. Audio description isn't good with quarter clinks. I'm as prepared as I can be at this point, so there's a familiar anticipation that courses through me. I walk back the halls and open a door to a recording booth, which is like a small cave. I'm surrounded by fuzzy black walls, a small screen on a wall, a music stand, and a chair. I adjust the armrests in the chair and lock in the music stand. It has carpet on it to absorb the unwanted sound. I make sure the pencils are sharpened. I think about previous episodes, the feeling of the show, the different acts, beats, relationships, jokes, and music get myself in the mood. I've come to realize that this period of preparation and adjustment is a ritual of sorts. The director comes in and hands me a paperclip stack of about 25 pages filled with time code cues. Those are little numbers running on the screen, and it tells me where to go. Lines of dialogue, audio cues, and the words I'll read for bringing the images to life. I've never seen this script before, and I only have about a minute before I start recording. It's a cold read, an ice cold read. It's alarming how little time I have to review this. 
I flip through them and scan as much as I can, looking for any phrases that might be tricky or words I can't pronounce. I look for any cues labeled brisk or fast, where I'll have to read quickly, or any large chunks of words so I can prepare. I put on the headset so the audio from the program doesn't bleed noise into the microphone. I say, test one, two, and read a few lines from the script, adjusting some volume knobs, one that affects what I hear from the program, and the other adjusts what I hear from my microphone. I put my coffee down on the table. Since it's one of those sippy cup types, if I were to knock it over, it would be loud, but it wouldn't spill. In my headphones, I hear the sound engineer's voice. Ready, Roy? Hi. Yep, let's do this. And the engineer starts playing the visuals on a screen in front of me, just past the music stand. I know she and the director are fully paying attention to 20 different things, so I can focus on my performance. I hear the sound effects of the opening of the show and look down at the script. I've practiced timing to the fraction of the second. I'm a human countdown timer. Looks like I have to start narrating audio description in five seconds, four, three, two, and that's a day in my life. How my day of audio description narration starts. But beyond narration, audio description has many moving parts and different roles. So when I'm asked what I do, my reply stretches beyond the confines of that narration booth and into areas that deserve more notice, both from creators of audio description and also audiences' perspectives. Mainly, I want to understand how complicated it is for a blind or low vision audience member to have a reliable and high quality entertainment experience. Later, I'm going to call out some of the great services who are doing this really well. There are groups making this work great, but it's really inconsistent and hard to find out. So my answer to that question about what I do leads to talking about audio description. And if they press me, it goes something like this. Oh, in the world of audio description, also called video description or descriptive video or descriptive narration, a describer who might be the writer or narrator, or maybe it's both the writer and the narrator, or maybe it's the company, but not the production company, nor the distributor, but a special other company gives their creation of a split track or a mixed track of a narrator, if the film or TV show even has it, which is depending on the distribution channel, like streaming, theatrical, broadcast, physical, like Blu-ray or DVD, or downloadable to your iTunes or Google Play or even YouTube with any of these, each of which offers varying levels of access to the audio description, either on an app or a TV or a cable box or a Chrome browser with a special plugin or YouTube. Maybe it's a separate YouTube video with audio description, but maybe the audio description is separately downloadable that syncs up. Then you listen to a narrator or a synth voice. So it sounds like a conversational robot, or maybe it's a narrator that sounds like a synth voice, but you don't even know if the audio description is there until you hear it, which could be a few minutes into the show. So you wait and wait and hope, and then you don't hear it. So you have to decide to either stop and complain or just put up with it. But if you do decide to complain, who do you complain to? Is it the local broadcast affiliate or the movie theater manager who is dealing with Karen's complaint about her unpopped popcorn kernel? Or do you contact one of the 47 plus streaming services by email, message, fax, or Facebook, tweet, by phone? But to find that phone, you have to hunt down a number. And once you find that number, go through a press one, press three. Sorry, your call cannot be completed as dialed or try a different number. And is that the main line? Ugh, another press four, press zero holding. Oh, good. You get to talk to a real person. And it goes something like this. You answer their questions. Um, yes, my speakers are working. No, audio description isn't closed captioning. Sure, I'll hold. Or better go through an accessibility web link buried so deep it feels like they don't want to talk to you. And even when the audio description is there and it's bad, what does that even mean? Is the writing indicating things the visuals don't have? Does the narrator of a scary, suspenseful movie talk to you like you're a baby toddler? 
does a kid's show have an uninterested adult narrating who sounds as tasteless as cereal too long in the milk? Or is it just that aforementioned synth voice like my friend Melody calls a puppet or even kind of creepy like a horror monster made to describe the lighthearted comedy romance film to you? And who chose that voice and why? Does that voice get in the way of the experience and do you have to keep fiddling with the volume up and down and down and down and up to try to hear it depending on what's going on in the background? Or maybe the production audio ducks out of the way so you can hear the narrator but all the other audio disappears out of the way and it's jarring and it takes you out of the story. And does this work that is created for blind people actually include blind people in the process? Maybe. So what do you think of that answer? Okay, anyone else feeling so confused? I'm rubbing my eyebrows. Is all this too chaotic? Hashtag too many inconsistencies. I wanted to hunt down these inconsistencies and find out what was happening, both from the audience's side and the entertainment industry side. A few years ago, I started being interviewed by podcasts and local papers and websites, both in the entertainment industry and with blind audiences. I started posting on social media, talking about the craft and profession of audio description. I had a tough time finding people on social media who even knew what the heck this audio description was. I connected with blind people on Twitter, and they were talking about a a whole host of important things beyond audio description. They were talking about their lives in ways that were different than what I had assumed blind people experienced. And something clicked in me. My thoughts about people who were blind or low vision, my thoughts were just uninformed. I used to assume what you want and what you can and can't do. But now I started listening actively, actually listening beyond my own bias as a sighted person. And after listening for a good amount of time, I started to tentatively engage. I asked questions shared ideas, and sought advice. I learned what people really wanted from audio description. The discoveries directly affected my narration reads. I got better. I learned more. I found more nuance to my readings. And the focus was on the story, not me, the narrator. (laughs) This got exciting. Connecting with the audience was making all the difference, not only professionally, but also me as a person. Those unconscious biases I had were starting to be replaced with connection. Now, I really wanted to use my voice. I'm a member of the Television Academy, home of the Primetime Emmys. And for the past five years, I've served on the Performers Peer Group Executive Committee. As such, I met executive decision makers, directors, producers, some, of, some who still have no idea that their own shows have audio description. Early on, I kept it simple. I just said to them, blind people watch movies and TV shows. I told them it's called audio description. And they would lean in, interested mean my show has audio description or how does it work or how can I hear my show and then I started meeting people who actually make decisions about audio description there are companies that specialize in providing audio description and I got to know the owners of some of these companies I developed relationships with their engineers their writers even people who work with companies who hire these vendors those are usually distributors I was learning so much but The landscape across which these companies were dotted was still very much like the Wild West of old. Lots of people were eager to move there, but few were talking about how to establish an orderly and healthy community. I've been fortunate enough to work with and talk with those who really do get it. But newer companies were popping up, offering audio description, and each new company gave you their own take on how it would work. Some understood, some didn't. But even some of those who cared weren't fully aware of what you, the audio description audience, wanted. But in their eagerness to being hired, they started cutting some corners, devoting less time to creating the best audio description. 
the volume of audio description being produced was growing. More people were populating the Wild West, but there were no guidelines. Wasn't it at least good that it was becoming more available? Even if the quality was lacking, shouldn't our audience be grateful for what they have? What a terrible word in this context. Grateful. In surveys, feedback to the Facebook group, and many email bulletin boards, audiences have said they're worried that if they got better quality, they would actually get less audio description. Oh, uh, spoiler alert. Thankfully, you don't have to choose between more or better. You don't have to accept the least. All questions and thoughts I contemplated in my various sound booths and closets. Let's simplify the conversation. Having more audio description comes from an actual legal requirement. The FCC requires that so many hours per week of broadcast television has to have audio description. This mandate is an important and necessary force, but unfortunately, the blind audience is not treated in an equitable fashion beyond that. That force only mandates how much audio description, not how good it is, which means as long as the box is checked, yep, it has it, it'll count, check. And here's another wrinkle. I didn't initially understand how streaming companies who are outside of the FCC mandate were choosing to provide us with audio description. Could it be cultural pressure from you speaking up to them to provide audio description? Are there behind closed doors negotiations with the streaming services and blind organizations to avoid lawsuits? Or do streaming services recognize you, the nearly 30 million blind and low vision American audiences? It's 253 million worldwide, by the way. In other words, do they see our audiences as loyal subscribers? Has the scaling of newer streaming companies been driven by more enlightened economic imperatives than the more traditional studios and broadcasters? I prefer to talk about audio description as a professional service, not simply a mandate. Art and creativity are core components of this business. In the world of video game accessibility, there's a nice parallel from lead gameplay designer of The Last of Us 2, Amelia Schatz, in a June 1st, 2020 Verge article. It's not about dumbing down a game or making a game easy. What do our disabled players need in order to play the game in parity with everyone else? There's no guarantee in the quality in the entertainment content itself, by the way. If a movie has terrible audio or bad actors or a bad script, that is part of the overall experience we have no control over. The best audio description won't make a terrible movie better. The source we're starting with here might not necessarily be great. And storytelling is subjective. But how do you define professionalism? How do you measure and identify quality and excellence? Okay, let's talk about nuance in audio description. Writing. Once the AD script is heard by you, the writer is giving you the brush strokes of the visuals and the elements that move the plot forward. A picture is worth a thousand words, right? A film has 24 pictures or frames per second. So every second of film has 24,000 words to choose from to describe it. A typical movie has 129 million words to choose from. There were hundreds of thousands of decisions that went into that simple phrase or sentence you hear the audio description narrator say. And that phrase was created by the writer. Can you imagine how many decisions have to be made by writers and how those decisions influence your story experience? Here's an example. With only the audio of the narrator of one scene, the first one with quality writing. And the second version, um, it might not fill out the visuals for you. Indy glances up over his shoulder to see a gigantic, perfectly rounded boulder rolling down from the sloped walls behind him. He takes off running as it barrels after him through the cramped tunnels, obliterating everything in its path. 
Indy dives out of the temple just a split second ahead of the boulder, which comes crashing to a stop in a cloud of dust. He tumbles to the bottom of a hill, then looks up to find spears and bows and arrows pointed at him from all directions. A band of native warriors sporting loincloths and battle paint has him surrounded. Standing among them with a lifeless expression, the local guide who tried to shoot him pitches forward and face plants on the ground to reveal his back riddled with darts. A figure in a safari outfit steps over the body. Indy looks up and sees a rock rolling in his direction. He is terrified. It's a matter of life or death. The man in the fedora runs to the tunnels, running away from the rock. He jumps out of the tunnel. Then the rock stops. Indy falls down. Now, a view shows several shirtless, dark-haired men around Indy with weapons. A dead guide has darts in his back. Indy's longtime nemesis, a charming French archaeologist named Belloc, faces Indy. Narration, Rondez Green. So those are two examples of writing. And hopefully you could recognize that one did a better job than the other. That's writing. Narration, my favorite. The narrator's goal is to keep the audience focused on the story, not the narrator. It's a form of connection with the audience, suiting the emotional mood of the scene. My job is to ride the emotional wave with the audience so you're immersed in the story. I have to find that sweet spot, find the balance. Not too much, not too little. Although I have to share the intention, what I'm saying it for, to share the meaning of the words. Remember earlier when I said I kind of like cats? You could probably tell the way I said it that I kind of don't like cats. As one audience said, the narrator should bring you into the movie, not push you away from it. Remember the example at the top? What do you think immerses you into the movie experience? Is the, is the narration pulling you out of the scene? As a reminder, here's a typical narrator and another one who could be your teacher when you were in second grade. Glancing away, she shows Kate a badge. Glancing away, she shows Kate a badge. That's narration. Direction. Directors of audio description usually know what to look for, including casting and appropriately representing people of color. Beyond casting, they can guide the narration read intensity, making sure the narrator is committed to the story and not phoning it in in their performance, uh, which is Hollywood speak, meaning not showing up with your best. Engineering. Think about all that is in a movie. You hear actors' voices, you hear sound effects, another movie audio. It's all in here. But... With audio description, sometimes something happens. You know when you have to keep on turning the volume up and down when listening to a movie with audio description? How the narrator blends in is the job of the sound engineer, so it's not too loud or too soft. They also make sure that the narrator doesn't step on lines of dialogue or have heavy breaths or mouth clicks or sneezes or chair squeaks. The funniest part of this is that when it's done well, you shouldn't notice this work. Here's two more engineering examples. Uh, the first one will be harder to hear and muffled, making the background audio duck behind the narrator. And the other, you'll clearly hear the background audio and the narrator. And initiate sequence. Then Diesel, Bloodshot, official trailer. I'm Sony, Columbia. Gina. And initiate sequence. A title appears. Vin Diesel, Bloodshot, official trailer. A man's hand turns a radio dial. Text appears. Sony, Columbia. Gina. And that's engineering. Finally, quality control. With all these moving parts and specifics, it's possible mistakes might be made, either in what's being described or sound errors or the overall sense of what's happening. A quality control person, especially if you heard the panel this, uh, this afternoon, preserves the integrity of the audio description. And no surprise, one of the best ways to do that is inclusion of blind professionals. The history of audio description is a service created for you, by you. It's been developed and evolved by more blind people helping themselves. This is an essential element, not a token hiring. 
Blind advisors get things cited people might overlook. But only a few companies are talking about this, let alone actively seeking it out. So do you like these ideas? The audio description doesn't take you out of the story. It keeps you immersed. It's important to have audio description released at the same time as cited audiences. Assurances that the audio description track travels with the film or series. I like to call it from cinema to streaming. And a little aside here, the ADNA wishlist, a publicly available list of movie or TV titles that ought to have audio description, is already requested by blind audiences. It's already generating results. Decision makers are watching and acting on it. You'd like to know more about who's involved in the audio description credits. And finally, you'd like to know that at least one or several blind professionals were employed during the process at some point. But for now, challenges abound. That's clearly not really news to you, but here's some other developments worth noting. Apps like Spectrum Access provide synced access to hundreds of AD tracks on your own smartphone. Spectrum Access doesn't even require creating an account. They've overcome the legal barriers that you used to have to navigate through. Platforms are upping each other's game. Apple TV Plus has all originals with AD, in multiple languages of AD, and in Dolby Atmos Sound. Netflix published detailed standards in audio description and also requires that the AD narrator, writer, and uh, a vendor be listed in the credits. Amazon Prime Video, as of July 2020, of the 4,200 plus original titles with audio description, which are listed on the audio description project, over 40% are Amazon Prime titles. That's more than 1,800. Disney Plus delivered on launch most all of their older titles, the ones many of us grew up with. Hulu is actively growing their own content and making sure it has audio description. And there's a cultural evolution of inclusion in entertainment. Performers who are disabled are a part of the conversation and representation behind the camera. Directors, writers, and producers too. There's lots to be done here, but the momentum is noticeable. Equity and access is something about which society is becoming increasingly aware. If the Me Too and Black Lives Matter movements have anything in common, it's the the recognition that the status quo is only acceptable to those privileged enough to remain ignorant to inequity. There is a vast, highly imaginative, creative, and active audience of entertainment content that deserves better. And I have an opportunity to leverage a successful career into a meaningful calling. I'm expanding past my role as an audio description narrator to offer an economical solution to those who hire audio description companies. Mm, Why should you care? Without limiting any content for you, this solution will bring even more quality access. The story I've told you thus far has been about the challenges facing audio description and the obstacles in front of blind audiences. I've spent these past few years experiencing those challenges and witnessing the obstacles you face and dreaming of a solution to both. That dream recently became a plan, and that plan is now a reality. A standard of some sort would make talking about all of this easier. Quality and excellence in audio description needs a shorthand. Right now, the only identification of audio description is an image. You, my blind and low vision audiences, have a logo. A visual logo. It's the letters A and D with some end parentheses that indicate a speaker sound. So at least you get an image, hopefully with alt text, maybe Braille, if you aren't seeing it on a screen reader. There's something that could instantly identify quality for you. Well, today, right now, is the launch of a way to identify a minimum quality in audio description that covers writing, narration, editing, mixing, and quality control, all while making sure blind people like you are included in that process. How many times has history shown that the most insurmountable challenges are breached by the simplest tools? 
After thousands of conversations with this community and creators, producers, and distributors of content, such a simple solution has been developed. A solution that will identify, promote, recognize, and incentivize quality audio description and entertainment content. Instead of a visual image, what if there was something you can instantly recognize, like a good housekeeping seal of approval, a signal you can trust you're going to have a minimum level of quality? With this signal, you don't have to wait wondering. You're going to know that all this chaos we've talked about is covered. And here's what it sounds like. We've created this audio logo in collaboration with blind composer and a sighted entertainment industry professional with experience in this kind of thing. So whenever you hear that sound, you will instantly understand that what you're about to watch meets a secure and transparent level of quality. You're in good hands. The concept is not new, only the application and intention. THX has an audio branding cue, as does Dolby. The Producers Guild and other entertainment industry guilds have marks following the names of individuals recognized as meeting their standards of excellence. Thankfully, a lot of AD companies already do provide top-tier quality. And if you've attended any of these panels this week, you know they care about bringing you the best. This tone instantly identifies them for you. This tone isn't magic. It's what it means. And this isn't a requirement or a mandate. It's an opportunity to distinguish quality and excellence and remove inconsistencies. It's an indication to you that not only does audio description exist for what you're about to watch, but meets these key points and incentivizes the race to the top. We're calling it Kevin's process for now. My dear friend Kevin was blind since birth. Kevin has been one of my teachers, my mentor, and my anchor. For years, we've talked regularly about the different steps we could take to grow audio description quality and excellence and provide audio description audiences with the entertainment experiences they deserve. He created one of the most engaging, lively, and active groups that has gotten results on the Facebook group. He also had a great awareness. One time he laughingly wondered about one of his dates that excused himself at the restaurant and never came back. He said, I'm not sure if it's because I was too tall, blind, blind, black, or if he was afraid to be seen on a date with a guy. Kevin was a quiet leader who understood when to speak up. He was an advocate. He personalized his experience for me by sharing his stories and experiences. He passed away recently. It hit me hard. And what a perfect spirit to help us lead the charge. And we in Kevin's process have blind leaders, experts, and entertainment industry pros at each stage. And with this process, we have many ways to expand, like the MPAA rating system. We have varying tones to identify different tiers of qualities so you can get a sense right away of what you can expect to listen to. We are so pleased to share with you that we are setting the marker for the official launch of Kevin's process on April 25th, 2021. That's a special day in the entertainment industry, the Oscars. Do you like this? By signaling you want this audio logo, a few things will happen. For you, you get to know right away you're in good hands. For the professional writers, narrators, directors, editors, sound engineers, and quality control experts in AD, you get to know that they're able to continue to give you their expertise and care. And they feel like they're acknowledged for their professionalism. For the producers, their creative vision reaches our underserved blind audiences, which gives their project even more exposure. For the distributors, most are already doing this. This audio logo acknowledges that. And because of it, they have even more loyal subscribers like you. Their brand is further elevated and leads to even more content. And it feels good. When I first sat in the audio description narration booth, sharpening those pencils and shuffling the script, I never thought that all these elements of quality audio description could be called into something so simple. 
Sorry, Wild West. These ideas in the presentation aren't new ideas. I believe audio description is more than a service. It's a partnership and a cooperative. This presentation is facilitated, compiled, and curated from what you've been sharing. And Kevin instilled the passion in me. He didn't let things stop him. He called people together and called people to action. This entire talk lays the groundwork for his process, Kevin's process. I debated whether or not to say this, so here goes. For me as a sighted person, without even trying, I can access high-quality entertainment. No question. And with the high quality that I just have as a given, it's awful. It's not consistently there for you yet. You shouldn't have to speak up and demand it. But both quantity and quality will be there for you. It will be a given for you. There's no reason you should get anything less. But for right now, we need you to demand it. We can't let it suck. There are many efforts being made for audio description. As we continue to bridge the gap between our audience and the entertainment industry, speak up for what you want. As you expect and demand it, and companies join this opportunity, these minimum requirements can and will change and evolve based on your demands and even emerging technology. And there are countless others who are extending their own efforts too. We've had conversations with blind organizations who all recognize the importance and are supportive of moving forward with a standard. It's our goal that by next year to have this in place and to make that happen, we need your help. Too often, it's your voice that isn't heard. As opposed to Hollywood driving this, we're starting with you. So where do you see yourself in this? Yes, you. You've always said nothing about us without us. So what should it be called? Do you see yourself as a voiceover narrator to get some training? Can you use your own engineering experience? your hours of TV watching to learn and understand quality control? Will you call your organizations, your representatives, your contacts to ask? No. Demand that you want to hear Kevin's process. So when you hear the tone, you know you're in good hands, specifically. And we'll share this with you in some follow-up correspondence. You can go right now to kevinsprocess.com slash concierge to find ways to reach out to the studios, vendors, and distributors. ACB's own web links are included. That's kevinsprocess.com. Follow along and contribute at kevinsprocess.com. And if you're on social media, use any of these hashtags. Hashtag blind people watch TV, blind people watch movies, Kevin's process, and of course, audio description. Speak up to your organizations. For example, ACB has multiple committees working on your behalf. Speak up to your leaders, your influencers, and wherever else you want to be heard. You can reach me at Twitter at Roy Samuelson, Facebook, Roy Samuelson Biz, or email me, Roy at Kevinsprocess.com. There are resources online at acb.org slash ADP. And we'll always engage to find more places to connect. You are Kevin's legacy. You are the ambassadors. You all have the ability to be a part of this. You are the voice of this. You are the creators of this. Where do you see yourself in this? And our credits of thanks roll. Lynn Thomas, Rondez Green, Juan Bagnell, Chip Beeman, Jeff Ross, Russ Marlowe, Dave Porcelino. Credits of thanks continue. Bob Bergen, Melody Goodspeed, Ian McDonald, Bill Sarine, Chris Danielson, Mirka Pavlikova, Nicholas DeWolf, Paul Zakarian, Rick Boggs, Brian Williams, Anthony Turk, Nicole Zanzarella, Kevin Thompson, Steph McCoy, Stephen Letness, Claudette Sutherland, Carlton Pettis, Therese McLaughlin, Brett Pezzel, Jill Ackles, Martin Frazier, 
Susan Balboni, Juan Alcazar, Everett Bacon, Dan Spoon, Kim Charlton, Arl Richardson, Mark Riccobano, Thomas Reed, Rick Morin, Dr. Joel Snyder, Jeff Thompson, Kathy Lind Hayes, Justin Scholl, Inger Tudor, Frank Sharp, Serena Gilbert, Fred Brack, Anna Capazera, Brian Fischler, Eric Wickstrom, Margot Tone, Chris Snyder, Satana Howry, Veronica Lewis, Dane Dunham, James Rath, Josh Loya, and especially ACB, The Audio Description Project, NFB, AFB, The Television Academy, Narrators, Writers, Vendors, Audiences, and all those who participate and speak out in the discussion of audio description. Credits read by accessibility consultant and voice talent, Brandon Cole. Roy Samuelson, thank you. I will say it again. Roy Samuel, thank you. This was an absolutely, absolutely sensational presentation. And we are fortunate that Roy is willing to stay around for a few more minutes and answer questions. So you guys know the email, questions at acb.org. That's Q-U-E-S-T-I-O-N-S at acb.org. Our wonderful questions moderator, Janet Dickelman, is standing by to field those questions. And while you are writing in, and I hope you're writing in fast because we won't want to keep Roy waiting. Remember, questions at acb.org. I have a couple of questions of my own for Roy. So, Roy, just thank you so much for the presentation. Where do you see audio description in one year, in five years, and into the future? What are your dreams? Oh, dream world. I love this question, Dan. It's one of my favorites. I think a year from now that as we've seen in all of these panels about audio description, that there is a sense of quality and excellence that companies are recognizing. And I think it's because of audiences speaking up. And I think that a lot of the elements in this presentation have come up in the last, (laughs) it seems like in the last uh, a few weeks, at least 20 different things that have happened where people are talking about these elements. So the one-year plan is that this Kevin's process or whatever our audiences want to have it called is in its uh, beginning stages in a way that is a real win-win-win for everybody involved. And everyone includes the, the content creators, the distributors, the vendors, and obviously our audiences. I think the five-year plan is really going to be exciting when it comes to the technology that's coming out. I think that even in the last few years, we've seen how that has changed with our streaming services and how much easier it is to access. Um, and then uh, I think you asked the 10-year plan. Um, boy, that's, I'm happy with the five-year plan. Great. And you mentioned it just briefly in your previous uh, answer, but how do you see the advent of streaming services changing and challenging the status quo when it comes to audio described content uh, in the future of providing uh, more quality programming to the blind and visually impaired community? I think there's a, a nice parallel to books and the internet. And that's a, that's a double-edged sword in the sense that uh, when the internet first came, there were really a lot of ways to access books. And um, that's obviously evolved and changed whether you uh, have a, a screen reader or an audiobook. But now with uh, some of the things that are happening with streaming services, I think it's fascinating that they, they don't have the limitations that a lot of the, the broadcast stations have been 
unable to uh, to leap over. That I think, you know, another example in the presentation, and as you heard, I think in Monday's presentation with Apple, is that they provide multiple languages of audio description in high quality Dolby Atmos sound. That that's probably not possible with our current uh, over the air. Uh, network broadcast. And that, that could be changing too. So it's exciting to see how that is going forward. Well, thank you. And a little on a personal note, I, I really, you really got my attention when you talked about Kevin, your friend and Kevin's process. If you don't mind, and I, it's putting you on the spot here a little bit. And for that, I apologize, but tell me, tell me a little more about Kevin and your life interactions with him and and what that taught you about the blind and visually impaired community. Uh, Kevin has been a dear friend, uh, like a pen pal, that our multiple conversations every week for what seems like uh, well over a year, we're relatively new friends. Uh, he and I connected, uh, I think through him hearing one of my narrations on an audio description TV show. And for some reason, we both took a, a, a connect, that connection a little bit further. And once we got to know each other, we really started to engage about the audio description experience. And professionally, selfishly, personally, I got a lot out of it because my reads got better. Because he was saying, oh, you, you know, this is something that really works for me and I don't like this. And obviously it's one opinion, but I was able to start thinking about the audio description experience using the, some of the voiceover training that I've done, but also with, with his feedback and to recognize, oh, there is this, this sweet spot to find and that that sweet spot can evolve and change. It's not a textbook, do this all the time, that there was a real nuance there. And I think when he talked about nuance, that's where things really clicked with quality and excellence. He also talked a lot about his experiences uh, throughout his day and learning about his blindness taught me that, you know, as I said in the presentation, I have a lot of assumptions as a sighted person of, of what a, a blind person experiences. And I know that Kevin isn't the be-all, end-all example of all blind people, but he did give me, he broke through that in a way that, that got me thinking differently. And I've, I'm still learning, Dan. It's still a process. And I think I enjoy that process of, of learning how to engage in a way that's that's uh, acknowledging the blindness, not hiding behind it, but also recognizing the the value and the you know how how that makes a difference. Well, thank you, and I I hope I'd like to introduce Janet now, and I'm hoping uh, Janet has uh, I uncovered uh, a few questions for Roy. I do. Um, I had a question from Janine Lee or a comment from Janine Lee saying she loved you in Spider Man. Um, I have always said to, I said to Roy, when I talked to him, I loved him when he did the audio description of Criminal Minds on CBS. And Miley wants to know what your favorite audio described project has been. Oh, that's a great question. I think that one of, uh, and by the way, those, those examples that you gave, the, the whole team behind the work on those, as well as many other projects, uh, really need to be acknowledged for that. I'm, I'm really happy to be able to read the words that are given to me on a mic. And I do my best within that, that part of it. But there's, um, there's so many others that have done so well with those projects. So I'll, I'll be sure to pass that along. And to what's your favorite? Answer your question, my favorite. I think uh, there was... Um, <laughs> I think when it... I'm not going to name the title, but the exp- I, I want to share the experience because that's the, that's the part that I'd like to share. 
it's a there's an action adventure sci-fi scene where there's it's almost nonstop audio description narration with a lot of time code cues as well as audio cues and there's no way to think about it and when it was done this scene that i'm thinking about it felt like a dance that i was doing this this um i was in a flow that i've never experienced before that was similar to a uh I don't know. So I guess some people who meditate have that experience that I haven't gotten to that place yet, but in meditation, mm-hmm. you get into that flow where something's just, it's just fitting well and I'm not thinking and I'm just doing and using all the experiences that I possibly can to, to be in that, that space. And afterward, like I said, I wasn't thinking about it during, but after the scene was done, I, it felt so right. And when I listened back, my favorite part was I listened to the audio description and I could, I was, I was watching the movie. I wasn't thinking about, oh, that was a good narrator. Fantastic. Well, Janet, any other, op- any other well, questions for Yes, I, I had an e- a question from Beth wanting to know what you thought, and I guess this would all kind of depend on your usage, but what you thought of somebody who was totally blind being a describer using a Braille display. Oh, that's great. Let's, let's, let's distinguish between a, a describer as being a writer or a, a narrator. She and, was saying narrator. Oh, oh, very good. Thank you. So an audio description narrator, there are talents, professional voiceover talents who are blind. And those blind narrators have the technology to do it. So it's not even a that narration is done in a way that, that is specific for audio description. If you've listened to any of these panels, they, they touched on that really clearly. And I think that a really special kind of commitment and professionalism has to go into it. And of course, blind people can do narration. Yes, it was wonderful in your credits. You recognize Satana Howry, who's a wonderful voice narrator. And Chris Snyder, who is a tremendous uh, quality engineer. And Rick Boggs, who owns Audio Eyes, where at least I know Chris and, and, and Satana actually work. And they're all blind people. And yeah. what amazing quality work they produce. Yeah. And then I, have, I had a question, and she wanted to know if there's any special training for people to learn how to be the narrators, some, any kind of special vocal training. There's, a, I, I think, a real good base of training is definitely getting involved in the, the writing side. And, you know, obviously, there's, uh, there's all sorts of training opportunities. Dr. Joel Snyder has his. There's a, a book you can read called The Visual Made Verbal. As far as the, the narration goes, um, there are opportunities to teach audio description narration. Uh, and we'll be happy to include those on the Kevin's process. Uh, one of the, in that web, in that web page, uh, one of them is resources, and we'll be sure to include that there. Thank and you. And I, I had someone maybe who asked time you to, for one yeah. more question, uh, Janet. Um, okay, thank you. I, I had someone who asked you to repeat your email information, and I will be sending that out to all the lists just so that people know that. And sure. oh, I had a question. Someone wanted to know if you've ever, when you were describing something, got hooked on a series and then went back and watched it for your own enjoyment. <laughs> That's a great question. I think there's so much great content in television series right now that how can you not? How can I not? Roy, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for inspiring us, for enlightening us, for challenging us. So we all need to get out there 
and be the best audio description advocates that we can be. It's been 10 years since the passing of the CVAA. It was cutting edge when it was, was put into law 10 years ago. But the industry is moving so fast and technology is changing so quickly. Let's all embrace Roy's challenge. Go to Kevin's process. Listen for that wonderful tone. And together, we can make a difference. Not with us, only, with, only about us with us. Thank you, Roy. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And next, we are going to hear from Janet Dickelman with a couple of more door prizes. But I have to mention one thing before the door prizes and David Trott. George Holiday and the Monthly Monetary Support Project texted me, and I can't believe this, but he, he swears it's true. And, and George is one of the most honest human beings I've known in my life. And we are one contribution short of reaching our goal of 321. One new MMS member. I cannot believe it. So again, if you have a chance before before this uh, banquet ends tonight, I hope I can hear from George that he'll text me and tell me we've got one new member uh, of the monthly monetary support program. Again, that's askacbmms at gmail.com or call 202-743-0755. I, I, whoever that lucky 321st uh, new member is, David Trott and I have a special gift for them. And so, Janet, with that said, I'd now like to introduce you for two more wonderful door prizes. All right. We've got $25 Amazon gift certificate donated by Washington Council of the Blind, and that goes to Joan Bronspiegel of North Caldwell, New Jersey. And then the last one I have um, for right now is from my home affiliate, ACB of Minnesota, and that's $50. And that goes to Kathy Goslin of Washington, D.C. Oh, and I'll be you. back later. Congratulations, Kathy. Now it's time to do our Braille Forum raffle drawing. And I just want to say, Nancy Becker... Our own Vanna White is there at the, uh, at the box stirring up the winning tickets. And the question that everybody asks every year is, what are we going to do? Are we going to draw the 5,000 first, then the 1,000, and then the 500? Or are we going to keep that anticipation going and draw the 500, the 1,000, and then the 5,000? But then if we do it that way, if you drew the 500, you got eliminated if you only had one ticket from the 5,000. It's such a conundrum. But Nancy Becker has solved that for us this evening. She is going to draw the three tickets, the 5,000 first, then the 1,000, and then the 500. But David and her are going to announce them in reverse order. So everybody has a chance to win the 5,000, but we all get to wait in anticipation to see who that, who that $5,000 Braille, Braille Forum raffle prize winner will be for this year in 2020. So with those rules, I'd now like to turn it over to our ACB treasurer, David Trott from Talladega, Alabama. Take it away, David. All right. Before, you know, I like to give a little suspense. You know, they did that on the ORCAM earlier. We're going to do that tonight. First of all, I left something out this morning, and then I texted Dan. He didn't get it in time. 
So our today's winner for the $100 gift card in the MMS is Eric Holderman. And he is from Minnesota. And I understand that uh, he has just joined as a uh, member at large. And I'm sure he'll hear from our Janet Dickelman next week because she'll be wanting to recruit him into her area. Now, let's get forward to the Braille Forum Rifle. It's an exciting year for, for Nancy and myself. We've never been able to say before we've sold all the tickets and we've, we drew away from convention before, but we, we've had, uh, we didn't have the opportunity to have it on video and have it live. Uh, it was rebroadcast, I think, on ACB radio at the time. But tonight, it's a great night. Nancy's going to pull three tickets. The first one will be the 5,000, the second one will be the 1,000, and the third will be the 500. But she will label those as she pulls them. Then when she reads them back, our winners, what will happen is she's going to read the 500 first, the 1,000 second, and the 5,000 third. That way the suspense is still in line, but everybody has a chance at the 5,000. So Nancy, are you ready? I am ready, David. I have put all the raffle tickets in, uh, I would say, a box. It's not a pot because it's the pot would be too small. So I've been stirring the box all night. And if anybody can see me, I will pull out the first one, which is going to be the $5,000 ticket. Okay. Stir it a little bit here. I have to pick up the drop ticket here. Grab the thousand dollar ticket. Are we ready, David? We're ready. The five hundred dollar winner is Terry Gorman from Chicago, Illinois. All right. Congratulations, Terry. The second one for a thousand is Marie. Is it Top from Fargo, North Dakota? All right, Marie, one thousand dollars. And you can guess, Alan Peterson sold that one. <laughs> and last but not least, the five thousand dollar one is for ACB of Texas. All right, ACB of Texas, one of our affiliates. That is great. And it's so great this year, Nancy, that we were able to sell all the tickets and make a worthwhile contribution to the Braille Forum. Thank you. About the, oh, by the way, Nancy, your vault up there looks great. My I box. hope we don't have to use it again soon, though. My box? <laughs> your vault? Yeah, where you have all the tickets locked down. It looks great. We just don't want to use it again. It is a special vault I have here. <laughs> All right, Dan, back to you, buddy. Oh, thank you, David. Thank you, Nancy. And congratulations to all our winners, including our $5,000 winner, ACB of Texas. I'm heading to their virtual convention in just a couple of months. I, they, they, they hopefully will have a really nice banquet spread for that, uh, for that, for that convention with that wonderful additional $5,000 in their treasury. Congratulations, uh, Peggy Garrett. Spend that money wisely. Well, next, it's time for our last two door prizes. And so, again, I introduce Janet 
Dickelman for the final two door prizes of our convention. Actually, we have three. Oh, we have an extra one. We have three. Bing, bing, bing. Thank you. The first of the last three is a $20 Starbucks gift certificate from Washington Council of the Blind. And that goes to Samaria Laws of Merced, California. Now, this next one is a door prize, and I have to explain this a little bit. I was contacted that this door prize was going to be sent to me so that I could take a look at it and appropriately describe it. And it's absolutely beautiful. It is a handmade pen. It is an ink fountain pen with a replaceable Parker cartridge, so it'll last forever. You can use it. And it is made out of abalone, which is from New Zealand. And this was donated by Alan Shrebtikno, and he is from Indiana, and he does his own woodworking called On a Whim. And he made this pen by a process called turning. And it's absolutely gorgeous. And I'd love to keep it for myself, but I can't. And I have to say, my husband's a woodworker, and he does a little turning. And he was extremely impressed with this pen. Um, And anyway, the winner of this pen is Sue Liss Temples from from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And it's a gorgeous pen, and I'll be sending it out to you. And our last door prize. Last door prize of the convention. That's kind of sad, everybody. Is $25 from ACB of Wisconsin. And that goes to William Fearman of Bloomington, Indiana. And that's it, Mr. President. Thank you, Janet. And again, thank you for just an outstanding job as our convention chair. It's been wonderful. Oh, it really has been. It's been a great convention. Thank you for your leadership and for getting us off in the direction of a virtual convention. Oh, we all did it together. We all did. It was, it's unbelievable. Thank you. Thank you, Janet. And we we did it, David. I just got a text from George. Okay. And I've got a surprise for that 321. All right. Uh, You, you and I forgot something. George also agreed to go in with us. So that'll make that gift card. Now we can announce it'll make it a $150 gift card. And uh, we'll get together next week and decide how we want to send that out. But uh, I'd forgotten, and he reminded me quick this morning that uh, he did agree at the meeting that he he was going to to put fifty bucks in. So we're 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 even better than we thought, and we're at three twenty one. That's great. So guess what, folks? The next ride. You know, I'm from Talladega, right? And I hope the committee will back me up because we're going to get on the MMS five hundred. And race away <laughs> to the 500. Y'all come join us. Thanks, Dan. Great convention. Thank you, David. And thank you, George uh, and Gene. And, and that winning, that $150 Amazon gift card uh, will go to Erica Linashenko. Hope I'm saying that right. But Erica Linashenko, you are our 321st new MMS member. Thank you so much for all that you do. And thank you for contributing uh, to uh, such a wonderful program. It's now come time to say goodbye, farewell for, for a brief period of time until, until next year in Phoenix, Arizona. I, I come to this moment with a, a heavy heart and with an amazing amount of excitement. The week started 
by having to say goodbye to a dear friend of mine, Burl Colley. Burl would be so proud of what we've done this week. Burl, you meant a lot to us, and we'll never forget you inside of our ACB family. We also will remember all our ACB angels and the wonderful tributes we heard from them this week. But I can't leave without saying from the bottom of my heart, thank you, thank you, thank you. ACB family, you did it. They said we couldn't do it. We proved them wrong. We can do anything we set our minds to. I am so proud of us. I am so proud of our organization. This is the launching pad to what ACB is and will continue to be the chief influencer in the blind and visually impaired community. We have a strategic plan and we have a journey that we are going to be on for the next few years. It was built with the wonderful foundation of many, many members who came before us. It was enriched by the previous administrations inside of ACB. But together, we, ACB, our family, will blaze a path to the future. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for enjoying the moments. And it's not over yet. We're going to have a wonderful wrap-up show with Tony and Debbie. And then please, I beg of you, get on the community call with Cindy Hollis and let's chat, have an adult beverage, share our favorite stories. 